If aliens live in space, why can't we see them at night? If ketchup comes from tomatoes, why don't I like tomatoes? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Live! So that's the typical intro that you would find on a normal episode of This Paranormal Life. A bit of banter, a bit of lighthearted fun. But today, we have a very serious investigation today. What you're listening to right now is going to be the unfiltered, raw investigation of This Paranormal Life on Roswell. Jesus, I mean, it's been a long time coming, guys. You know, we've, we've seen lots of emails, people requesting this one. It's finally here. One of the reasons it took so long for us to do this is because, um, as you know, Kit and Rory are actually our aliases, but even those at this point were not secure. So uh, me and Kit have been driving for 24 hours with bags over both of our heads yeah. um, in random directions. We obviously could not drive the car with um, with bags over our heads, so we had to get a driver, but a, a driver that couldn't you know, spill the beans about what we had done. So we got a toddler, someone who literally couldn't right. speak. <laughs> Uh, we got him a jump, like a high seat, and uh, he drove that bitch for yeah. a couple of hours into the desert. And we put a bag over his head just so he didn't know what was up either. Of course. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you to the This Paranormal Life investigation of the Roswell, New Mexico incident. It's 1974, and we're in a little place that most paranormal investigators have heard of before, called Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> I, but I think when I wrote this script, I wasn't going to mention that fact until <laughs> until this point. We've actually mentioned it by name a couple of times. I don't know how much you know about Roswell, especially in 1947, but it's actually a pretty big military town. Right. There's a huge Air Force base that's home to the U.S.'s 509 Bomb Group, who were the ones that dropped the atomic bomb. Okay. Controversial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I what did know, I say? I don't, know, I don't know if that's that means they're very famous. Yes. I don't know if that's something they're proud of. Famous for mass murder. We would have to ask them. Right. But essentially, it's lots of soldiers living side by side with civilians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I think I mentioned in the podcast before. AKA um, hell. <laughs> I want to live in a town with civilians living beside greys. <laughs> That's my idea of heaven. My ideal society is not, you know, men and women living in an egalitarian society. It is military and greys working (laughs) together towards a joint future. Now, back in the early 20th century, alien sightings weren't really a thing at all. As far as big reported sightings go, there was, like, this is a good example of how sparse these were. There was one in 1909, then the next big one was in 1917. No one was talking about them, you know? It was just some kind of fleeting thing that maybe you would mention, oh, I think I saw something in the sky. But it wasn't that big a deal. It's true. Listen, everyone spends like 90% of their day looking straight forward or looking down at their goddamn smartphones. Right. Um, Maybe not back in 1909, but we rarely look up. If you think like back far enough, we couldn't even fly. So why did we even like think of anything Anything being able to visit Earth? That's a good point. Imagine the first time you saw a bird, you'd shit yourself. (laughs) It's probably why we hunted them. Imagine if people originally thought aliens would be just like super advanced birds. <laughs> Hawks. That had managed to leave their planet's atmosphere. I bow down to the space dragon. It's like a pigeon just shitting on a bush. <laughs> then one night in 1947, Mount Rainer, Washington, a series of UFOs were spotted by a man named Kenneth Arnold. Well, by one man? Okay. Yeah, he saw loads of them. Crazy. <laughs> this was the sighting 
uh, it was regarded as the launch of the modern UFO era. Really? Because after this, UFO encounters exploded. Right. There's two two reasons here. Do you think one, maybe people then started getting excited about aliens? Or two, the much more likely option, do you think aliens just started f***ing flying around? Yeah. Like, like a, a swarm <clears throat> of them just came in like bees. I, I hear what you're saying. Is this like a copycat thing where one guy sees them and the other... Or is it just a horde of cats <laughs> <laughs> flying through the night sky? What was the name of this gentleman? Uh, Kenneth Arnold. You know, is Kenneth's neighbor, Henry, just like, hell, if that, if that like, dumb son of a bitch saw some UFOs, I guess I saw some too. I guess the LA Times will want to hear about them. But the, the alternative is that, you know, Kenneth saw the, you know, the recon the aliens. Yeah, And then absolutely. the other aliens, a bit like a, a hive of bees, were like, hey, there's good eating done. There's flowers everywhere <laughs> down here, boys. There's nectar Bring everywhere. Bring the pack. Tell the queen. So let's get into our main topic of conversation. That's just setting the scene. That's sure. setting the, the scene for, you know... This was the, the cultural the time, mood. The era, the cultural mood. Let's get into where we exactly need to be. June 14th, 1947, in the nice military town of Roswell. <laughs> Do a cougar roar Sorry, in there. In nice the military town. <laughs> Look, don't have problems with One of the what most I'm doing right now. Sentences. Things are about to get weird. I don't know if you know this, but aliens get here at one point <laughs> you better just leave your sensibilities at the door pal uh, and a man named William Brazel is working at a place called the Foster Ranch now it's about 30 miles north of Roswell dry open land blistering heat we're talking about real American desert here okay yeah William is out working in the fields tending to the sheep that they have out there when he notices they're all grouped up in one area, pushed to the side, as if they're avoiding something. Oh, could be a fox, could be a coyote. Could, you know, could be knows? anything, could be a rival farmer trying to grab some sheep. <laughs> I don't know the rules, I don't know how farming works. It's absolutely not how farming works. So he heads over to see what all the commotion is. When he approaches the area, he begins to see strange debris scattered around the field. Whoa. The debris looks like, like parts to a machine. But what sort of machine? William has never seen anything like it before. So he packs up some of the pieces. He hopped on his horse and he traveled 20 miles to his nearest neighbor. Wow. 20 miles. Horseback. You know, I, I'm going to be impartial throughout this investigation. Of course. If, if We would expect nothing less. If we're listening to the testimony of a man that needs to ride 20 miles to get to his neighbor, I don't trust him. <laughs> We know As, he's lonely. He's we know lonely, that. and there's maybe a reason why he's not allowed within 20 miles of another human being. 10 miles beyond the ranch, his ankle tag started beeping, <laughs> and he actually had to text his friend to come to his ranch. He tried to use some of the space debris to hack it off, but accidentally <laughs> called in the mothership. <laughs> so, he, so he goes to his neighbor's house, and he's standing outside, banging on the door, holding all this weird metal. In the 21st century, this story would have been way more boring already. If you found that in your back garden, you would have just like, from your sofa, twit-picked it, right. posted it to Reddit, and, uh, and been like, WTF is this? And you would have had, probably within the time it took him to ride 20 miles, a couple thousand comments debating what it is. Yeah, or it would have been a much quicker story because you tweet the picture, it gets deleted, and you're sniped from a mountain <laughs> from 300 yards. And that's the end of the story. Some, you know, unknown 
department of the secret services deploys some sort of sound cannon that explodes your head. Right, right. Like with that embassy, if you remember that story. And I think that's the only reason why stories like this existed in 1947 was just because the military couldn't snipe for shit yeah. at that time. They probably took a couple shots at him. Like they had 20 miles to pick this bastard off the horse and they're stormtrooper style black. <laughs> A whole firing squad trying to get him. Unfortunately, Chris Kyle was not going to be born for another, like, 20 years. Otherwise, right. he would have been dead. <laughs> so so he, his neighbor lets him in, in, in inside the house. He's got all this debris. And she's like, what's, you know, what's all this ruckus about? What have you got? William is standing there, pale, out of breath. Something's not right. So he rushes inside and lays the collection of debris down on the table. Look at this. Look at all this crazy shit. I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> I don't know exactly what he said. Loretta is speechless. She can't believe what she's seeing. Loretta said... He said that there was some metallic-looking stuff that when you crushed it, it just straightened right back out. It wouldn't, you know, wouldn't stay crushed. And there was uh, some beams or something that he said had kind of pinkish-purple printing on it. Well, we told him it's probably a ufo and he should report it <laughs> okay so that's what loretta loretta's first impressions were as we said this is you know around the area of the big ufo explosion yeah i you know i long for the days when i when when an alien probes me and i think i should tell the government yeah you know because those days are gone i know you know what they'll you you go tell the government and they'll probe you to death it's true pre pre tony blair <laughs> Pre-goddamn Tony Blair. Post-Tony Hawks, too. <laughs> I might have called the local, you know, London Met. But, right. uh, you know, in, in the age of Sadiq Khan, as good a man as he is, I know that uh, if, if I if I have some weird, crunchy, bendy metal show off my back garden, I better just bury <laughs> it in the yard and forget it ever happened. Exactly. Because God forbid I call up the Met. So Loretta says, take it to the to the government, take it to the police. They they'll be able to sort it out. Big mistake, Loretta. You stupid idiot. <laughs> you know, it turns out these times were shitty as well. <laughs> They're actually a- worse because they didn't have Twitter. <laughs> Did you know that? It's actually kind of worse because they didn't have Deliveroo yet. So what's the goddamn point? Nothing was on Netflix. So William, you know. He's just a hard-working, honest idiot. He doesn't want to get wrapped up in a massive conspiracy, so he does just that. He packs up the debris and heads into town to meet with the sheriff of Chavez County, Sheriff George Wilcox. I feel like, like we talk about contacting the government, I feel like a sheriff is a trustworthy... Like we He's low enough down. Yeah, I know what exactly. you mean. Exactly. He's yeah. your local guy, you know? the sh- Like, the sheriff, I feel like that's the number one requirement for the job of sheriff, is you got to be a down-to-earth honest man yeah yeah because even if you you know if you uncovered some sort of conspiracy and then the sheriff finds out that you know about it he doesn't know about it there you know you he'd be like oh yeah look at here now what you, what you boys doing with this here alien dna you know he doesn't have any idea but as we said in a town like this the sheriff is the guy with all the answers you got a problem sheriff's got a solution so william laid down all the materials on the table and said well What do you think, Sheriff? Again, paraphrasing, but uh, Sheriff Wilcox replied, I don't have a f***ing clue. Really? Is that a quote? (laughs) I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) 
<laughs> as I said. <laughs> so he so he says, "Look, this is some alien material. We need to contact the local airbase." Okay. Because at least if he doesn't know what it is, he knows the procedures. Yeah. He knows he knows what he should be doing. Right, and and. Listen, a sheriff is, he's the, the lawmaker of the ground. He doesn't know shit about the sky. So he just <laughs> so knows true. we need to talk to people a few rungs up the ladder. Let's talk to the Air Force. If you have a problem and you bring it to the sheriff, his two options are to shoot it or to report it to the higher ups. I think, I think as a he sheriff. He brings him the debris. He's like, well, I see you already shot it. <laughs> <laughs> better send it to the higher-ups. He's like, what do you make of this, Sheriff? The Sheriff tries to lasso it. Like, I don't think that's going to work this time. <laughs> but he's really bad at it as well. Like, it takes him ages to even get the rope swinging. It's like catching on his belt. Shit. Lassoes himself, son. falls over. <laughs> oh, crap. Cut me loose, will you, fella? <laughs> You'll be surprised how many times this happens. <laughs> You go in the next week to report something else and he's just hogtied himself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> now, now the local army air base here in Roswell, as we said, this wasn't your, your normal air base. This was the 509, the squad that dropped the bomb, the squad that maybe even tested the bomb. Right. These are big, big, high-class military the, uh, dudes. The hard hitters. Exactly. Apparently, at the time, it was the most secretive air base in the U.S., Really? So the airbase responds by sending out a man who's going to be very important in this story. A man named Major Jesse Marcel. And he's just like Strong your young, man. strapping military okay. dude. You know, fresh to the force. He's, they sent him out to do the grunt work. You know, like, oh, a bunch of hillbillies out in Roswell think they found aliens. There you like, go. go on, Jesse. Go on, check that out. Yeah. Uh, so he heads to the ranch to go check out the source of the wreckage. It's kind of, you know, it's one of those things I'm sure these guys are going, look, this is probably bullshit, but listen, Jesse, just go check it out. You know, we, we just, we can't take any, any risks that this isn't like some goddamn communist um, bomb plot right. that they've stumbled across. That these hicks think is a UFO. Exactly, yeah. They're probably like, I'm sure it's just like they just found a weather balloon or, you know, you a crash satellite or something. So, you know, just take your pen, your notepad, uh, some cyanide pills, loaded handgun, Quite just right. in case it is a UFO. And in case the, the alien is um, like a silicone-based life form, you will need this blaster. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that they they don't think it's going to be aliens, but just in case it is, they're like, so in case the alien is from a planet with um, several times more gravity than we have, you're going to need this uh, strength gauntlet to wrestle him <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, preparing for every outcome. In, so in case the alien somehow has some sort of a laser eye ability, you're going to need these reflective shades, so absolutely do not remove them. Recent scientific testing has proven that he may be an entity from a, a planet in Entirely comprised of just gas. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, we've got this Henry the Hoover that uh, you can just kind of strap on your backpack and suck that bastard right up in here. <laughs> Hard cut to Jesse, who's now like kitted out with every single military grade weapon. <laughs> Sheriff thinks he's the alien, guns him down immediately, <laughs> unloads his revolver. <laughs> yeah, the one time the sheriff doesn't try and lasso someone. <laughs> blast him in the head. <laughs> I know an alien when I see one. <laughs> Sheriff's like, looks like my work here is done. <laughs> Don't have to report that one to the higher ups. <laughs> Jesse's like, the only thing they didn't prepare me for was a hick. <laughs> was just if the alien had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so he goes out there. He's probably just going to find a weather balloon or some plane debris, whatever course, it is. Of course. But as he walks through the desert approaching the crash site, he can't believe his eyes. These are things he's never seen before. Strange materials. Weird metals. This is something big. Do we know this from testimony from Jesse? We'll get into that later. Okay. I don't want to derail us. Uh, so he hops in the car and drives home as fast as he can, carrying some of the strange materials. He gets home at two in the morning and calls his wife and son into the living room. Jesse, sorry, I forgot I was supposed to do a voice here. Jesse Marcel, <laughs> Jesse Marcel Jr., sweetheart, get in here. I don't care if it's early. Get your asses out of bed. <laughs> Jesse Marcel Jr., Jessica Marcel. <laughs> Jordan Marcel Sr. Jesse Barksell. <laughs> Jesse Meowsell. <laughs> Jesse, the ha- Jesse the Hamster. Jesse Hamster Jr. Jesse wants a cracker. <laughs> Pirate. Why is he named the whole such weird things? <laughs> Jesse wants a cracker. What is that, a f***ing pirate? So he lays it all out, and his family right, come right. around to, to take a look at it. At 2 a.m. This must have been 2 important. 2 a.m. This is how you know it's important. Junior needs sleep. He's got school in the morning. Well, he needs to f***ing see this, too, kid. <laughs> it's not going to be any goddamn school <laughs> if we don't get to the bottom of this. Je- Jesse Jr. is like, Dad, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep going through this. This is the fourth time you've come <laughs> back with debris. <laughs> the last time it was just a smushed Beyblade. <laughs> That's why we had to move to this town. <laughs> He's just like, all right, I know it's different, but what do you make of this? That's a ripcord. That is a ripcord of a Beyblade. I think that might be from the same Beyblade. (laughs) You brought this from the last town. (laughs) Next time, what do you make of these? Those are Pokemon cards. Anything from Japan? Anything from Japan is weird to you? That's weirdly racist. So the next thing you know, because now you got a couple people who are hearing about this debris. You've got a couple people who are touching this debris. It's true. More and more people start getting involved and coming to check out this material. Local police, firemen, exactly what the Roswell Air Base didn't want to happen. Right. Marcel was supposed to go down here, gather material if it was there, and, you know, kill the story but it's it's completely backfired the, the story's spreading like like a wildfire a daughter of one of the local firemen named frankie Rowe, also an important character was one of the few civilians who actually managed to touch the material interesting one of the many perks <clears throat> of having a fireman as a dad <laughs> What's and t- trust me there are a lot <laughs> having a hot dad your dad's sexy af Three step ladders whenever you want. You kick ass in a water fight. You probably you blast got a, the shit out of some kid. Probably got a pole somewhere in your house. Yeah, you could swing down. <laughs> Did I mention your dad's hot as hell? <laughs> Ironic for a fireman to be so hot. <laughs> Did I mention I have a thing for firemen? Ooh, you're gonna have to put me out in a minute. <laughs> well, Frankie, the fireman's daughter, said that holding it, it felt like she had nothing in her hands. Even when it was wadded up, and when you dropped the material on the table, it would just spread out again like water. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So they said that if you crunch it up, it just unfolds. Yeah. And if you crunch it up and drop it, it just, wow, just stretches all out again. Stretches all out again. But but what's good is we're getting some consistency here. It's true. With the the testimonies of what the material is. And it's, uh, I made a joke earlier, but I think it's not tinfoil at this point. So Major Marcel is like, okay, okay, you've all had your fun. Time for me to take the samples back to Roswell Air Base. 
who, who let, let's face it, at this point are f***ing pissed. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get this far. bad employee. Yeah, really bad. Yeah. You can imagine him like roughing the hair of the fireman and stuff and be like, all right, guys, it's time for me to take the debris away. And everyone's like, Jesse, no. Let me crumple like, it one more time. Yeah, all no, right. All right, one go more. ahead, go ahead. Crumples it, laser shoot now. <laughs> all right, you've had enough. So he takes all the debris back. Uh, and shows what he found to his commanding officer, Colonel Butch Blanchard. <laughs> Maybe this is the guy the airbase can trust to finally shut this thing down. Sure. I mean, Butch. Butch mother Blanchard. <laughs> That's a man's name. Not like Jesse Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Marcel grew up in New Orleans, you know, schmoozing girls on the town, listening to jazz. Butch, though? Where did Butch grow up? Butch grew up in like an orphanage <laughs> until he was old enough to adopt himself through some weird legal loophole. Start and he was a mean dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's so goddamn mature he gets to adopt himself. <laughs> uh, so this is the dude. This is, this is the man that the military's like. He's going to be the one to end all this. So Blanchard, Butch Blanchard, takes a look at the materials. Jesse Marcel hands them over and he, he, he looks at all the materials. And he says, order a press release. Tell the newspapers and everyone, we've captured a flying saucer. Holy... <laughs> I like the idea that Butch was like, for the last week, he's been getting mad at Jesse. And he's like, I'm going to de-escalate this thing as soon as I get the chance. As soon as he sees the metal. Holy f***! <laughs> that is some alien shit! <laughs> it doesn't matter what rank and how, like, strong and, like, strict you are. Anyone who sees this just completely flips. What in the blue hell is that, Jesse? <laughs> when Jesse came in, he took the piss out of his tinfoil hat. And he's like, give me a hat! Make me a hat! Do you have another one of those? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I probably got some goddamn intergalactic disease. <laughs> So this actually happened. Colonel Butch Blanchard took a look at the debris and issued a press statement to the press of the world saying we have captured a UFO, a flying disc. Wow. Um, I think I actually have a picture of the news report that you can check out. And so UFO, unidentified flying object. So <coughs> it's pretty vague. It's, yeah. you know, do we know? It'd be interesting to see what they said in the press. Did the military think this was unidentified? Just like, we don't know what it is. Or were they kind of leaning on this from the alien angle. Well, it says in the article, which I'm going to pass to you now. Sure. RAAF captures flying saucer yeah. on ranch in Roswell region. So they're very much leaning into the alien aspect of it of rather than just the UFO. All right, here Because is... I think at the time they were even considering the fact that it could be, you know, a Soviet missile, you know, yep. a foreign aircraft. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You're looking at an actual newspaper that was printed. Yeah, this is pretty crazy. So this is a, a scan of... The Daily Record from that year in 1947, and it's it's true. The headline is about this flying saucer in Roswell. I will say, if you've ever considered um, joining the This Paranormal Life Patreon for the research notes, this is a good episode to do so because there's going to be a lot it's of be deep, a lot of classified info getting posted on there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So the papers go out, and all of a sudden the entire world's focus is on this tiny town in New Mexico. All of a sudden, the U.S. Air Force and the 509 start getting dragged into this. Of course. They've, they've now made, like, a like an official statement, so yeah. got to stand by this. People start thinking, oh, isn't this where they first tested the atomic bomb? Ah. Isn't there some sort of government base down there? Yeah. There's a lot of questions that, frankly, MIBs and government lizards don't want asked. <laughs> So Major Marcel, the original guy that they sent out, Jesse Marcel, sure. packs up all the debris and takes it to an even higher up uh, fort called Fort Worth in Texas, sure. which is the headquarters of the 8th Air Force. Now look, I don't know a lot about military ranking, but I do know a lot about numbers. And eight is pretty f***ing high. Yeah. I assume that's the 8th highest ranking of Air Force bases in the U.S. I mean, how many can there be? So Marcel gets there, and he's given the hero's welcome. This is a big deal, you know? They get all the material together to examine it, and they try and finally figure out what this stuff is. Can you imagine? Everyone everyone who comes in contact must be clamoring to see it at this point. It's crazy. So I think basically what happened is he brings it in, all the officials run into the room, and the door is shut. And there, you know, they have their internal meeting. They discuss the debris. They talk about what they've announced. They talk about all the possibilities and the ramifications. And it isn't long before one of the generals calls a giant press conference to look at the debris. Really? Yeah. Wow. So putting this shit on display. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is a big move as well. Listen, in these pre-Tony Blair times, there was a lot more (laughs) government transparency. You would never see such a thing today. You just know as well that um, when Marcel brought it to this base, they were like, Marcel, the absolute idiot and butch 
Can't believe they can't control themselves. He knocks on the door and just opens it with the debris. Oh my god! <laughs> Get the press! We need the press! Aliens! <laughs> he's being like he's, put in a straight jacket. He's, he's sweating. <laughs> he's just like tugging at his tie. Aliens! <laughs> ah! So the press arrive. Everyone is excited to get a first-hand look at the debris. You know, people are clamoring for spots in that room. This is an incredible moment. Marcel is there, some generals are there, and even a specialist who has been brought over to help identify the wreckage. So, the moment of truth, Kate. Marcel grabs the cloth resting over the debris and rips it away to reveal the Roswell alien material to the entire room. Dude. The room falls silent until Irving, the specialist who they brought to examine the debris, says, That's a weather balloon. Really? He's like, yep, that is clearly a weather balloon. He just says that, like, right away. Yeah. He even starts to point out specific parts. Uh-huh. There are uh-huh. some uh, basil wood fragments. <laughs> At one point he goes, that's literally the balloon. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a part of it that is the balloon from the weather balloon. People are like, if you scrunch it up, it just it's, like, so light. It yeah. just, it's as if it floats. So now in front of the press, the Roswell debris has been confirmed to be simply a weather balloon. Right. What are your thoughts? This is a good time for us to just take a little, park the car, put up those tinted shades, and hotbox that bad boy. <laughs> With the truth. <laughs> With the truth. Crack open a couple brewskis. As I call them, truth skis. <laughs> <laughs> get, get some premium, premium paranormal kush. Load up that bong. <laughs> Smoke a little crack cosane. <laughs> I mean, this is just one of the most exciting cases to uh, to ever exist. I mean, can you imagine? And just so incredible that it was, this is really, like you say, the birthplace of the UFO culture. Yeah, arguably the biggest and most famous conspiracy theory ever in the whole world. And on the one hand, we have something really, really convincing about all of these people independently being, all these professionals being independently blown away by these materials and no one really throwing water in this until we get so far as the military calling a press junket in which just one specialist um, dampens the whole thing. On the other hand, maybe. (laughs) On the other much larger alien grey hand. (laughs) Three fingers. One of them is a gun. <laughs> One of them's glowing like E.T. Uh, on the other hand, you know, maybe what we're seeing is it is a hysteria and that it's this specialist, in inverted commas, who is this guy after all? Right. Maybe he is uh, the most sensible one here and he's not buying into this hysteria and he, he has correctly identified this as a weather balloon. <laughs> I love it as well. They're like, all right, you know what? Just to make sure we got this all under wraps, we'll bring in uh, Irving, whether, uh, you know, reconnaissance specialist, he'll be able to sort this out. Marcel rips off the cloth. F***ing hell! Aliens! Like, this press is over! Get, get, get them out of here! He gets dragged out. Get them out of here! He pulls up his shirt. I'm wearing a wire! They wanted me to say I was a weather balloon! Military, the room can't shoot him fast enough. Just unloading. Yeah, just sniper bullets from every window <laughs> coming in, lighting the place up. It, it is interesting, as you just said. From this point, you can definitely see two very different 
but possible perspectives. <clears throat> and it has to be one or the other, right? It does. This is either very mundane or it changes the course of history. Well, for all extensive purposes, the case was closed. But as the photos of the debris were released in newspapers, the people who had seen the material in Roswell were shook. This weather balloon, whatever it was, was not the same material they had seen at Roswell. What? The original Roswell debris had been swapped Dude. out. Holy shit, I did not see that coming. So at some point, when Marcel delivered the original Roswell debris to the uh, 8th Air Force in that room when they had the examination, the decision was made to swap the original material for what was very clearly a weather balloon. Because, listen, I know we make fun of these people for being hicks. We, we are not kind to people who don't live in cities. Yeah. But these people know a balloon when they see one. Exactly. Because we're not also just talking about hicks here. They sent Jesse Marcel down there, a military man. He said it was alien debris. They then showed that material to Butch. He sent out a goddamn press release. What you're saying is that two people employed in the government were stupid enough to believe without a doubt this wasn't... A weather balloon. Yeah. Yeah, that they've never seen it before. Exactly. I mean, this is this is like a genius move on their part because, you know, is it easier to show people the real materials and all the risk that that carries? <laughs> um, or, you know, is it is it worth, you know, getting some, paying off some specialist to like throw water on this? Or maybe this specialist was really telling the truth and he yeah. was like he was like oh this is so easy why is there like you know so that he was being genuine in that i think moment. it would be way harder to pay the specialist and show the original roswell <laughs> debris because he's just at the press release just being like yeah obviously this is a weather balloon the new york times is like um so what is what are these pink glowing hieroglyphics that's like hieroglyphics it's like, a, it's like a mood ring oh. that's like a that's like i think my, my freaking kids have those yeah okay there's a looks like a map of parts of the galaxy we haven't even seen before as humans that's that's uh that's wow <laughs> is it hot in that- here He's dabbing himself with the metal foil. <laughs> His skin is like peeling off. <laughs> I love that he, even me trying to be funny about like him and that press statement couldn't even yeah. think of one thing. They like pay him 500000 <laughs> to lie about it. And they're like, uh, that looks like some sort of command center. Why does a weather balloon have that? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're like, hmm, we probably should have checked if he's a good liar before we paid him 500 grand. It could, uh, that could be a video game or... Yeah, wipes his brow with the check for 50 grand. <laughs> like, it says on the side, from the government. But with the world now believing that the Roswell debris was just a weather balloon, whether the residents of Roswell liked it or not, the story was dead. Wow. No one in this world cared anymore. It had been proven that it was a weather balloon, so why even, you know, talk about it anymore? But to those Roswell residents who knew the truth, this story was only beginning. Do you remember uh, previously when we mentioned Frankie, the daughter of the sexy-ass fireman? (laughs) The ugly daughter overshadowed by her beautiful dad. Ironically steaming hot father. With rippling abs. 
she managed, as we said, to touch some of the material while it was in Roswell. Yeah. She was the one that talked about crunching it up and it, you know, pouring out like water again. Yeah. Well, one night, Frankie heard a knock on the door, so she went to see who it was. She opened the door to see a military man standing in front of her. Now, as I said, civilians of Roswell lived closely with the military. It's true. This is and not the Air Force. unusual. This, is, this, this could be your friend. This, like, could hey. be the, this could be the goddamn milkman. Milkman <laughs> wears fatigues. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Baker wears a ghillie suit. And also, uh, her dad's a fireman. So, you know, he could just be coming to like it's high true. five, like all the servicemen do, it's I true. assume. Um, <laughs> hey, Frankie, how's it going? Just came over here to just uh, just high five your dad. Just see what's up. This dude is so gay and has like the biggest crush on Frankie's rocking hot fireman dad. And hell, who doesn't? <laughs> Military man is visibly disappointed. Oh, it's you, Frankie. I guess your dad isn't in. No, he's not. Do you want to come in? No, bye. Bye, uggo. Also, please don't tell your father I called you an uggo. That might really hurt our chances together. <laughs> and she's like, all right, bye, Mike. Also, my dad says you have to stop calling and saying there's a fire in your pants. All right. <laughs> he says it's illegal. But something about this visit felt off. She said he was standing in the doorway with some sort of club or stick. <laughs> what? That's more than odd. That's threatening. <laughs> they began talking, and it wasn't long before he, you know, casually brought up the debris. The Roswell debris and asked asked had she seen it, you know? <laughs> just like patting this bat in his other hand. She's like, yeah, you know, uh, it's weird, but uh, you know, did you hear about the debris that was going around here? I think your dad actually had some of it. Did you did you see any? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I touched debris? it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankie was a little defensive, but she was still honest and told him that she'd actually handled some of the material herself. And that's when things went south. He had this club or stick or whatever it was, and he would was beating it on his hand and he would hit it every time he would say something he'd hit his hand and he said I want you to know you were never there and I didn't understand what he meant because I said yes I was and he said no you weren't I said yes I was and he said can't you get this through your head you never saw anything you were not there you don't know anything and he said, you know, this is a big desert out here. We can just take you out in the middle of this desert and no one will ever find your bodies. He said, you'll be nothing but bones and nobody will ever know what happened to you. And I told him I would not talk about it. Spooky stuff, huh? She f***ed up. <laughs> she talked. She is dead now. She is in the desert somewhere, <laughs> buried, unfortunately. Sorry about that. I mean, one of the great things about this case is that, you know, I've been a lot of these like interviews and quotes and stuff. I've yeah. been doing an accents because it's funny, but a lot of it actually, there's video footage of the people yeah. who this all happened to yeah. talking about it firsthand. That's one example. God damn. That's a pretty powerful example. I'm shocked by how straightforward that threat was. Right. In my head, I kind of like the beginning, I thought they would just be like, hey, you weren't there. So that she couldn't come forward and say this kind of thing. But they literally said, we will drag you out to the desert. No one will ever find you. Um, that's pretty shocking. I guess, again, we're dealing with a government from the olden days. I guess. You know, you threaten people like that nowadays. People are going to talk about it. Yeah, maybe they, back in those days, uh, that was how you got it done. They'll, like these days they'll have, you know, they'll be like secretly Snapchatting the conversation in their pocket. You yeah. know, like there'll be a recording or something. I'm a very open 
and anti-establishment man. <laughs> and that is because like a rat and a coward, I hide in the shadows. Yeah. If I was in the public's view and a, a government official said, talk and I'll kill you. I ain't saying a peep. That's I'm, right. I'm shutting my mouth. My podcast is being removed from the internet. Do you know what I like? Being alive. Exactly. Much like a rat card. <laughs> I like being alive, even if it isn't a little hole munching on cheese. Frankie wasn't the only person that was threatened after the Roswell incidents. Frank Joyce was a local DJ in Roswell. Who what? like... A, <laughs> Right? Like DJ radio host. Okay. Not just okay. like a like party <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Who, like a lot of the press and news hosts at the time, was interested in the real story of what happened. Sure. So Frank Joyce is doing his news show, which I assume is, is like your, your typical radio show. You know, so People he's like... calling in. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you're listening to Frank Joyce on TPL.51. TPL.51. Roswell. 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 Roswell, New Mexico, home of the aliens are real. <laughs> I mean, you can see why they want to shut this one down. <laughs> you are listening to the government, the government, <laughs> UFO radio 24 7. We don't pay taxes. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're live now talking about the alien debris that crashed here in New Mexico. You know, he's doing his whole spiel, right? He's just being, being current, being current. Uh, when he wraps up and the show is over, you know, normally he's like, ah, this is a good show. That seemed like a good one. Uh, within minutes, his assistant walks in and says, Frank, you've got a phone call. And Frank says, who? <laughs> I assume that's his voice. Who is calling me? <laughs> his assistant says, it's it's from the Pentagon. What? Yeah. <laughs> it is. So he picks up the phone and says, who is this? Did you out that story on the air about the flying saucers? Yes. Yes, I did. You're going to get in a lot of trouble for this. I'm a civilian. You can't talk to me this way. You can't treat me this way. You can't tell me what to do and what stories to put on the air. I'll show you what I can do. And he slams down the phone. And this MIB agent wasn't taking the piss. Within the hour... The head of the radio station was called by a senator in Washington and was told, if you put out any more stories about this thing, you're going to lose your license. And it won't be in a week's time. It will be immediately. Wow. Isn't that insane? Holy crap. After that. <laughs> this is what someone whose show recently got canceled for lack of listeners yeah. <laughs> would say. Can you imagine that his next episode is just like, you're listening to Frank on TPL.51. Respect the government. <laughs> Pay your taxes. <laughs> Aliens aren't real. But after that, Frank was forbidden from even mentioning the crash at the station again. Frank and the fireman's daughter, Frankie, definitely not the same person, are only two of the civilians in Roswell that were intimidated and instructed not to talk about what they had seen. But there were many, many more. Wow. This was a town on lockdown. And with everyone too afraid to talk, the rumors and the truth about Roswell slowly disappeared. <laughs> I fall asleep. There's <laughs> <laughs> just the back of his sleeping pills on the table. <laughs> he paused and drank a lot of Kool-Aid before that last sentence. I'm really worried. <laughs> I just see your phone lighting up with texts from the FBI. <laughs> The story was dead until years later 
1978. <laughs> this is a big leap in time. A huge leap in time. That's just to show you how dead this story was. But like a zombie risen from the dead to make sugar? <laughs> out of nowhere, stories about Roswell started popping up in the news again. <laughs> Why? Radio interviews, television spots. What's happening? Someone had decided to start telling the truth about what happened. Jesus. And that someone was Major Jesse Marcel. Holy shit. The Jesse. original one who had found the debris at Roswell. The boy. The one who had brought the debris to Fort Worth. Yeah. What did he have to say? Find out on part two of our Roswell oh! investigation. That's right. This is a massive case. And yes, we have established a lot and we have set the tone, but this is just the tip of the paranormal iceberg. So unfortunately, we're going to have to split this one up into a two-parter. It's been a little while since we've done a two-parter, but I know you guys have enjoyed them. We get to sink our teeth into some meteor cases. So personally, I can't wait to see what happens next week. Absolutely. And the way I look at it is, you know, Roswell is one of these cases, like all of our cases, that you only get to do once. So you right. want to do it right. You want to take your time, make your jokes, make your little, ha, 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 oh, it's so funny. And then cut that shit out because it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you guys in three months when we get around to doing the next part. All right. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.